Some parents homeschool, others don't live near a school, and others simply can't afford full-time Jewish day school. Each of these families needs a solution that offers their children serious Jewish learning. That's why I created Kita. Kita is serious online Torah learning at an affordable price. With Kita, middle school aged children receive online lessons each week through their Google Classroom and then participate in weekly Zooms with other kids from around the world. Children can enroll in the Chumash and Navi plan and study Chumash Shemot and Navi Shmuel, or in the Mishnah and Gemara plan, where we're learning Mishnah Brachot and Gemara Elu Mitzio. If you'd like to give your child a leg up in his or her Jewish learning, now is a great time to join Kita, as our second semester begins on January 2nd. To learn more about how Kita can help your children grow and thrive in Jewish learning, visit kita.org and fill out the form. That's Kita, K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G. everybody. Welcome to a new edition of RZ Weekly. Our, I, we're going to just change the name to RZ. I think the weekly thing is out the window. <laughs> we haven't really have recorded in quite a while. All of us have been on uh, global trips uh, around the world. Harav Johnny Salman, welcome back. I heard you were in America. I was literally in the United States of America. Wow. Are, are you going to be uh, writing a book like, you know, Johnny's uh, travels, like did Tocqueville? As he visited America, giving your impressions? I feel almost American. I said awesome more times in that trip than I think <laughs> I've ever said until this point in time. And uh, yeah, I've, I've adapted to lots of different things. I need to give some kind of summary. Maybe we'll do it next uh, episode. But yeah, Johnny visits America. As I said, Johnny discovers America. Johnny discovers America. I, I love it. I this love would it. be really a whole new podcast, but uh, it will suffice for a few minutes next time. Okay, we will save that. Save the date next time. Wait, is that next week or is it RZ Weekly next week or RZ whenever? RZ, RZ Weekly. Uh, RZ Weekly. Okay, uh, we're here with Harini Marley Brovsky, who is also in America, but that's less exciting. How are you? How was your trip? It was very good, Baruch Hashem. Okay, welcome, well, welcome back. Uh, I am Ruben Spolter. I was also in America, uh, and I guess we've all been traveling, and in London. So if you're doing Johnny Visits America. London, baby. London, know. baby. Oh, yeah. I, I, had the, I had the great pleasure of, of uh, speaking and interacting with uh, the great people at the London, Jew, London School of Jewish Studies. I learned a tremendous amount. It was really fascinating. So there, we should really, we should add that to our discussion. I have, I have, uh, I have interesting, interesting thoughts. Uh, but today, uh, we're focusing on, on, on Israel. If anybody's listening to the news anywhere around the world, you know that there's, a, there's a, a tremendous debate going on in the Jewish state about the, the place and the role of the Supreme Court in Israel. Uh, you could either call it the Reforma HaMishpatit, the judicial reform, or as the media likes to call it, the Mahapecha HaMishpatit, the judicial revolution. So the first thing we have, to, we have to do is, and I'm going to take a few minutes and explain, what is this judicial reform? Meaning, what are the elements of the judicial reform so we can understand what the, what, what the tremendous opposition is all about? So, 
The first thing you have to know is that, that Israel's Supreme Court plays a major role, of, I would say a, um, a, a tremendously influential role in Israeli society as, and, and the, the everyday lives of many Israelis, and certainly in, the, in, the, in a governmental way. That means that any citizen has any issue with anything going on in the world, anything going on in the government of Israel, they can appeal straight to Israel's Supreme Court. It's called the Bagats. Like, and like from when I came from America, I'd like, I like, you can't do that. Who are you? What's your standing? You know, you have to go through appeals courts. No, if I don't like something that the prime minister does, I can appeal to the Bagats and they can decide whether to, whether to uh, accept my, uh, my appeal or not accept my appeal. So Israel's Supreme Court plays a very, very important and very primary role. Uh, in addition, this is, I think these are facts that a lot of people are not aware of. Currently, the people that, that appoint new judges in Israel is made up of a committee of which a significant number of those, of the, of those members are either what's called Lishkat or Cheydin, which is the, how do you, what do you call it, the, the bar, Israel Bar Association, I guess that's how mm -hmm. you would translate yeah. it, plus three Supreme Court judges, which means that you cannot, you cannot appoint a Supreme Court justice unless you have the acquiescence of the current Supreme Court justices. So, at least from America, I don't know what it's like in England, but imagine... And some Chavrei Knesset. There are Chavrei the Knesset. There always was some. There are some Chavrei Knesset, but essentially, the members of the Supreme Court have a veto on who becomes a member of the Supreme Court. That's something that everyone acknowledges. Mm -hmm. So, unlike, like, imagine in America, if Supreme Court justices had a say in who, who appoints the next Supreme Court justice. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong about anything. Okay, yeah. so... Good. There's more, though. There are more reasons that they want more. Right. So, so what is the proposed, just factually, what is the pr proposed uh, reform? We'll call it a reform. One, the first one is, is changing the makeup of that, of that committee. Meaning, Yariv Levine has proposed that it should be a political committee appointed by political appointees. I think there are 15 people on the committee, eight from the, from the, from the uh, ruling party and seven from the opposition, essentially meaning that whoever the ruling party is would have the power to appoint Supreme Court justices. That's number one. Number two, they wanted to limit the terms of Supreme Court justice, and especially the president of the Supreme Court. That's number two. That's like less uh, significant. Number three, the Supreme Court for, uh, I, I mean, obviously I have a bias. I admit that I have a bias. But Supreme Court has taken it upon itself that it has the ability to rule I guess, behaviors or laws or governmental actions, uh, rule them illegal based on a, on a claim called svirut. You might have heard this term. Svirut means, mm -hmm. is it reasonable? And very often they will come along and say, we rule this, this action or this governmental law illegal. We, we strike it down because it's guilty severe. It's not severe. It's unreasonable. They don't like it, essentially. And uh, so what they want to do is outlaw the idea of svirut, chosa svirut. They want to say that's not part of the law. Yeah, Molly, you want to say I just, something? I just want to flesh it out a little bit. because no, Okay, it, well, let, let me just say number four. Number four, this okay. is the most important thing. The most important thing is what's called a piskat hitgabrut, meaning what are the situation in which the Supreme Court can overrule a law, uh, can, uh, can strike down a law, and can the Knesset then overrule the Supreme Court? So I would say, so what they want, what, they, what they're proposing is that Supreme Court could not overrule a law, which is called a chok yesod, a fundamental law. That's number one. 
And number two, the Knesset, if the Supreme Court over, uh, uh, out, outlaws a law, the Knesset then can come and overrule it with a simple majority. Those are the reforms as proposed by Yariv Levine. And this has met with just, I mean, protests and decrying and, and this is the end of democracy in Israel and, and just a tremendous brouhaha, not only in Israel, but Thomas Friedman is running to Joe Biden and saying, what do you think about this? And, uh, and as you were, and even protests from Jews around the world. Molly, you wanted to clarify before we I go. I just wanted to add, first of all, I'm not quite sure you can tell me, but I think there's also an issue with the Yoetz HaMishpati in terms of, I don't know if that's part of the reform. Well, but in, I, in, it's, also, it's also really like, it, it's difficult to overstate the role of the Yoetz HaMishpati, right. which is the, you would call it the Attorney General, but it's not the Attorney General because a Yoetz, every office has a Yoetz Mishpati, which is a legal advisor. So you would think, okay, I am the Minister of Transportation. So, the, so I, say the minister trans, I say to my legal advisor, I want to pass such and such a law. So you would think under normal circumstances, the legal advisor says, oh, well, you know, you should do it this way and you shouldn't do it that way and this is legally problematic and that's not. But essentially what the Yoatsim have become, they've become de facto veto on the minister's ability to do anything in government. Because if the Yoatsim Mishpati says, oh, no, that'll never pass the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court has, is going to say that's not severe or they don't like that law or what have you, they essentially veto a minister's ability to do anything. So what they want to do also is they want to shift what these Yoatim are from de facto essentially judges and they want to tell them, no, you serve at the will of the minister. You work for the minister. You're his attorney. You're not the attorney of the Yoatim. I mean, yeah. maybe we'll flesh this out a little bit later, but and I think you did a pretty good job just describing the technical reforms. Mm -hmm. But I think, and maybe, Johnny, maybe you'll go into this also, but I think the underlying issue is that our Supreme Court, um, okay, I'm trying to say this without bias. Um, let's say it differently. In well, America... You can say it I mean, okay, let, let's acknowledge. I, I think okay. it's impossible to ignore that all of us right. are religious, Zionist, and to some degree, right-wing. Okay. okay? Let's, correct. let's admit that. But, okay. Correct, exactly. So there's a problem, meaning the Supreme... Let's say two problems. One is we don't have in Israel a way to check the power of the Supreme Court, meaning in America, a very simple way to say it is they are bound by the Constitution. They can be more active or less active interpreters of the Constitution, but they are bound by the Constitution, right? So yes, we have Chukai Yisod, but the Chukai Yisod themselves, that's part of the problem is that, meaning, again, I, I don't want to, I feel the, like the, I'm running The problem, away. A, Imali, is Israel has no Constitution. Right, Israel problem has no Constitution. One. So that's, right, so there's no, so the point is that what is, meaning, th this is how I'll say it. I think we need a healthy, checks and balances system. I think we needed an executive, a legislative, and a judicial system, right? That's basically how like a healthy government works. The problem is, and I do believe this is true, we can talk about why I think this is true, our judicial body does not have the proper checks and balances on it. One expression of that is this idea of svirut. Who decides what's severe, right? Meaning, you know, it's just the people sitting on the Supreme Court who decides what's severe. We have no objective definition of what's severe, except for what the Supreme Court decides is severe, right? So there's no the Supreme there's there's no um, the Supreme Court has a lot of power. And again, maybe I am getting ahead of myself, but since Aharon Barak, who was a person who believed very strongly in what he was doing, and 
he believed he was doing something good for the country, and I'm not at all critical of that. But he wasn't. He's an activist. He's an, he believes in an activist court, and he he basically since his time there is a sense in the country that the Supreme Court has been exercising its power in a very very I would say strong way and. Crippling is maybe not the right word, but I would say in a way that goes beyond the, Knesset, the law. It, 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 right, it, it, preventing it asserts, the Knesset cannot function as a legislative body because anytime the Supreme Court decides that they don't like what the Knesset's doing, they can just overrule it, and there's no, there's no, there's no way to again, there's no outside kind of way to say whether their um, shikulim, right, their their considerations are like. Are, are they the will of the people? Are they the will of the bot? Right? It becomes very, very complicated. And, I, mean, so I want I to start with, I just wanted to outline, let's, we're going to come back to you. I, I wanted to correct. outline. I, I just wanted like, to point that out because people, it's not just a technical like, oh, we don't believe in Svirut. It's like Svirut is a, sim- a symptom of the problem of like, to whom does the court answer? To what does the court answer? And how do you, how do you create a healthy system in which the court has enough judicial independence to be to be doing what it's supposed to be doing, but doesn't have so much power that it's imbalanced in in so, relationship to the other the other legal governing bodies. And I would so only I'll add say. the problem of the of the court's veto on judicial appointees exactly that it has a All certain ideological problem, perspective, exactly. and therefore right. it wants to ensure that that ideological perspective in, uh, ensues. Correct. So therefore, it it, it it has the right to appoint. It has the right to veto Correct. anyone who doesn't agree with its ideology. And I'll add so, one more piece to that, yeah. which is, sorry. We're, we're, we're I, just, not, I know, I know. I want to go to Johnny. Wait, I want to go to Johnny. Okay. I want to go to Can I just say it's one last thing? Sure, sure. Okay, which cool. is, there's a, because it ties into exactly what you just said, which is at this point in, in, in our history, the the cultural, um, I don't know, um, I would say like worldview perspective of the Supreme Court does not reflect the, cult, the the larger cultural will of the people. They're they're in two different places, and the question is, what do you do about that? Right? Well, you is that a good thing? thing in America, is that a bad could you thing? Not? You could say exactly the same thing well, in America in an opposite way. Maybe, but yeah. again, that in, in America, itself, therefore, that in and of itself so is not a problem. That in well, and of itself maybe is not a it is. If the, the question, no, it's only a problem if the Supreme Court is is the is the body that has the most power over. What rules get passed and what doesn't? Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Right? Let's stop for a second. So we'll stop okay. it. But I'm just our saying, listeners that's another, can I think, very problem. clearly hear what we right wingers feel about the Supreme Court, and then we can come talk about like what should be changed, what shouldn't be changed, etc. I want to talk to Johnny and give Johnny a bit of a challenge. Johnny, there was recently yesterday, yesterday in Yerushalayim, I don't know how many hundred, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, however many thousands of people took the day off, didn't go to work in order to protest this judicial, whatever they want to call it, ma'pecha, revolution, terrible, the end of democracy. Do me a favor. Take off your, leave your yarmulke on or on the YouTube. Like, take, off your, uh, you know, take off your black velvet yarmulke or whatever it is that you're wearing. Put on your you know, kova temple from your kibbutz days. And can you explain to me what is the, like I understand you can, you can disagree with it. Why are they so upset? What's getting them so worked up? Okay, so I, I want to answer that, respond to what Marley said, and, and sort of for some uh, thoughts of my own. Um, you know, when we were talking through what we were going to discuss in this session, 
uh, I thought of a title. You know, often we record and then you say, give us a title. So I thought of one ahead of time. Ooh, what's the title? Uh, and the t- I'm ready to... There you go. Uh, it's fine. I've already written it down. Uh, which is, it, it's sadly, don't you, know, don't you go pushing your agenda. Now, the thing is, everybody's saying, don't you go pushing your agenda. So let's give a little bit of background about the government and then about the Supreme Court and then about people who are um, protesting, which is an important thing to do. Um, so first and foremost, we currently have a very right-wing government. The most that we've had, I'm much more centrist. I mean, they describe me as being right-wing. But nevertheless, we have a right-wing government and arguably a very right-wing government. And more than that, we have an incredibly weak left-wing opposition. Now, that's really essential to stress. It's not as if we have a right-wing government, but a really compelling, robust left-wing opposition who's doing their job to be able to make life tough when rules are being passed. Actually, the, the recent election demonstrated a seismic failure of numerous left-wing uh, political parties to get enough votes. And as a result of that, we have the government as we, uh, which is. Now, hey, Johnny, that, that it's important to add to that. It's not just right-wing. It's right-wing and very, very religious. Yes, sorry. I should, I should have been explicit. You're right. Right-wing religious, which is unprecedented, as is unprecedented the, uh, the weakness of a left-wing opposition and the absence pretty much of pretty, almost any uh, left-wing voices in government. Now, so why are people getting worked up? Because in general in Israel, you have a government, but it's real hard work to pass things through because... You have a, a, a group of, of different parties who construct the government, all of whom you have to reconcile different compromises in order to make things happen. And oftentimes, that's why a lot of things don't happen. Here we have a, a unique situation where, on numerous areas, most of the parties who make up the government pretty much agree. And they're saying, this is a golden opportunity to make things happen that we've wanted to do for years. So before we go on about talking about these reforms, know that they just didn't come out of nowhere. They just couldn't have been even considered and conceived for the many years where they've been discussed on radio shows and in newspaper articles because there was no government to push them through. Now, so you have this uh, very... Wait, one second. It's not that there was no government. It's that anybody... To the, on, on the left, who was part of the government, would have never considered or agreed to any of these Correct. reforms at all. It, it, would, it could, nev- it could okay. never have gotten to this point where, where real rules were really being passed, and in this case, really quickly. And that's also a really important point, meaning people actually have come to realize that perhaps the system isn't perfect, but there's no question that there is grabbing the bull by its horns to make changes as quickly as possible precisely because nobody knows what tomorrow will bring. And can I add so something to that again? Ha- I'm sorry to keep it Sure, sure, sure. Okay. I, no, think, I think it's also important to say that the objective truth is that this reform is a very big deal. It's not just a law that the left wing doesn't like because it's a right wing law, right? Maybe we could talk totally. about laws like that. Like, okay, if Derry decided that you can't go to the hotel in Ansanu address, that would be a law that the, that we don't like. Bec- and, and I, you know, personally think it's a ridiculous thing to say, but I'm just saying that would be what you're describing. This is actually changing the fabric of the way the government works. 
That is big. Now, you are right. They said it before that they were going to do it. They didn't. This is not a surprise. This is not like, you know, when the government comes in and all of a sudden you promise me X and you're going to give me Y. However, it is really a crucial issue. It's not it's not just another law and, oh, it's a little bit more right wing and, oh, I don't like it. And it's it's, you know, even Shtachim Tumurat Shalom or anything like that, which is like within the legal system. This is changing the way the government fundamentally functions. And therefore, it is actually a Ridat Adama. And it is legitimate, I think, for there to be very, very, very serious response to it, not to, and I would add to that, which I think we're going to get to, which is, I think the reform that they're proposing is completely ridiculous, meaning the 61 Javier Knesset thing wait, wait, is we'll ridiculous. Come back there. Wait, wait, I just want to, okay, but I just want to say, <laughs> you, you, you asked, the <laughs> I know, I know, I'm so sorry, but just because the reason you asked, why are people so upset? We can talk about, you know, wh- whether we think their tone or whatever, but the truth is that if you actually look at what's being proposed here, I don't think any one of us would think that it's normal to say that the not the government can overrule the Supreme Court. The coalition can overrule the Supreme Court. That 61 majority part is so ridiculous. It's, it, do you know what I'm saying? It's like anybody who has any sense of like reasonableness about it. What? I know. Tell me how you Exactly. But like, I do believe, I definitely believe we should have judicial reform. It's so clear that like that concept that like the coalition can overrule it's like we want a better balance of power so instead you're going to give all the power to the coalition it's like ridiculous so the fact when you asked why are people so upset i again i believe that we should have judicial reform i completely understand why people are so upset are they maybe using language i don't think they should be losing are they you know getting a little bit over reactive perhaps but the question of why they're upset i've got to hand it to them i get it and I also do not, th- I, I really do think this reform, th- it's not, it's not a good reform. It's just not. And I think there should be judicial reform. Huh. Okay. okay. So Johnny, now that Molly's answered that question, I'll ask you a different question. <laughs> no, but one second. No, it's no, fine. The, my, my, my earlier point, actually, it, it, it makes that uh, issue so much clearer and, and, and rightly so. Because when you have a meaningful majority of relatively uh, similar parties who are sharing the coalition, you see, when for the past whatever five elections, when we when we went to vote, we kind of said how many, how long is it going to last? Six months, maybe a year, right? Here, actually, we think it's going to last, and you know what? It may even last more than that. There is fear in the air, not just because yes. of the propositions, but because this is happening. This is happening quickly, and there's going to be if this passes through, no way back for. Ever, if not for a considerable well, I, I'll time. tell you why I think the reason is forever. The reason is because you're witnessing a seismic shift in the demographics of the state of Israel as well. Meaning the Haredim are having a lot of children. The right wing for whatever, you know, the, the religious right. are having a lot of children. Right. We've discussed Le- this the left wing, right. left-wingers are, for whatever reason, less rooted than we are. We're here. If you're here for a religious reason, you're here. You're not going to leave. Whereas if you're here because this is my country, so you have family here, you have family in Europe, there, there are a million Israelis around the world, at least. One second. That, that's no, a, an overgeneralization. It is. Far, but, it is, no, but, but you can't I, deny I the overgeneralization. There is a, there is a seismic shift. It's not just a demographic shift, it's an ideological Political shift. Political shift. By the way, right. full, full disclosure, and I really think I should put them in like our show notes, which we don't have, um, that I listened to this amazing Shearer of Tamir Granote about this issue. And he said, don't, I don't understand. How short-sighted can you be? Like, don't doesn't the coalition realize that, like, 
Yeah, okay, one day you'll be the minority. <laughs> that, that, like you're right now, you're you're making a rule that you can make all the laws and you'll be in power. Don't you realize that when like the, the new government, it'll work exactly in your opposite? And he said either they don't care or they uh, whatever. He fleshed it out a little bit more, but he did say this he or they're gambling that that's never going to happen again. Because of the demographics and because of I have the, a third, I have a third sheet there, but okay, I'll tell you my sheet at the end. Yeah, so the Johnny, third sheet is that Haredim uh, actually don't care about democracy, finish. and he says that that's fine. No, like you're allowed to not care. What's also much about Haredim at the end of the day, BB is interested in, in the you know in in what's going to happen when he's prime minister and less inclined, and that's why right. the, the critiques have been that this is a short sighted proposition. Meaning, if you're honest, it's also you freaking dangerous. Again, like even from your own right. perspective. Really? You really want to make a rule that the coalition can just make its own rules and that the Supreme, that like, they can just decide what, what, what the Choke Yisod are and if they, and they don't like what the Supreme Court decides the Choke Yisod is, they can overrule the Supreme Court. Like, it really is a slippery slope towards okay. this dictatorship. So I and I am not somebody who wants to engage in hyperbole. So, Mali, you keep on going the there. I'll tell you what my shita is. I agree with you. I think that I think that most reasonable people agree with you. But in the world of politics in which we live, I think the proposal they made had to be so draconian that when they back away, especially right. from Saints, the, I think the Piscati and Gabrut, and they say, okay, we're not, we wanted 61, but we'll, we'll change it to 75 if you really want mm -hmm. to, or 70, whatever it is. Then we, we had to give in, and we didn't want to give in because you never give your initial proposal of what you want in the end. That's not how politics work. Yeah. So, so it makes sense that they have to say something ridiculous in order for them to complain about having to give in in the end. Otherwise, what's the point of compromise? You know, like the whole idea of, of speaking and compromise. That's personally what I believe. You know, when they said nobody, I don't think they're that short-sighted. And I think they're smart people. You know, one thing that comes across from this, from this whole thing, I don't know if you've ever watched any of the proceedings from the Vad Hachuka, which probably is most so boring all the time. Simcha Rotman is a smart guy. I don't know what you say, but you might not as like his politics, but he's an intelligent guy. Yerim Levine, I think, is a very smart guy. So there's, there's, the problem here is it's not just, you know, Jewish jurisprudence, it's a political game that we don't understand and we don't know how to play. And we're yes, upon... Yes, but the left is not relating to it that way. Oh, the they 100% are. This was a bargaining chip. Are you the left kidding? is like, exactly. you are a bunch of insane fascists who wants to take over the country. And the only reason you want to do this is because you want Bibi to be prime minister and Derry to be in You in think power. that's not a political ploy? Of course they can't come along You're and saying say... They're they also, can't say... You, they can't come along and say... You know, we really agree with you that there has to be some kind of judicial reform. What did, what did Herzog do? The president got up and said, okay, everybody agrees. Yes. Everybody agrees there should be judicial reform. I never heard anybody on the left say that. They would never say that. They so have, I, and you don't, that okay, so maybe I'm naive. When I hear the left freaking out, I believe that they believe their own rhetoric. You don't think that that's true? I don't. I think that there are a lot of people that do believe their rhetoric. I think there are hardcore people. But I think most people understand politics is the is the game of compromise and of course you have to call the other guy a fascist if you want to get anything in the negotiating room because if you and they give put up, up a sign that says standing, if you put up a Ima, sign that will says, i ever get to Reforma vote again there'll be I'm no more favor. voting what? you think that that's like rhetorical or they you think that like they really think that like see so now you know. you're getting to something really deep i think we live in a in a social media world of extremes where nobody speaks in calm tones like we're right. doing on this podcast Nobody exactly can get up and say, issue. Right, right. So no, I really believe that. And therefore, nobody can say, hmm, I hear your problem. I hear your position. But what about my concerns? You that, that can only happen in a closed room with no cell phones and deniability. 
Because if anybody, anybody has any recording of you possibly agreeing to the other person, you're outed. You're never going to get elected in the next election. They're going to run ads on, on social media about how, what a terrible person you are. It, it, that's you're the talking about the leaders. Between. I'm worried about the population. Maybe population it's a combination. The population is being whipped up by the leaders. But the red, that's what freaks me out the most, is, is, is the whipped up population. Welcome to the media enriched world in which we live. That's why RZ Weekly exists. Because we like talking about things in measured tones and not hysterics, which is why we're so unpopular. I know, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let, let's just go back to... I mean, Wait, hold I'm, on, I'm, Johnny, I'm before gonna, you do, let's take a quick break. I'm, I'm gonna, a quick break for an ad from Harab Johnny Solomon or Kitan Irma Witch, and we'll be right back. Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ilah, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one -one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. And we're back. Molly, when are you going to be that ad? I want you know, for your, uh, for your uh, <laughs> therapy services. Call Molly. Her number is off. I don't know. Anyway, Johnny, you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Okay. I was going to go through a variety of issues regarding the government and the current propositions. I think we, we've kind of skipped over those things. <laughs> but I did begin by saying the title of this, of this uh, show, which is Don't You Go Pushing Your Agendas. And fundamentally... Mali's right to highlight, and, and I entirely concur with her, uh, that uh, part of these propositions are dangerous and short-sighted and, and reckless in terms of understanding how laws can be decided, how the balance of power should be maintained, uh, and what will be the future of the state of Israel. I want to be very, very clear about that. Nevertheless, and it's not instead of, but it, it's in addition to, the whole point of what's taking place is there's been a very clear uh, agenda which has been evident from some of the rulings of of the bagats over years this is again this is not new uh, you mentioned Simcha Rotman uh, and, and, um, and um, uh, the second in command what we call it Yeriv uh, Levin right that they've been the, the blueprint of what's happening now has been being drafted in their minds for years. Yeah, for a decade. Because the problems, right, because the problems that they're trying to respond to have existed for years. Now, the sad fact is, actually, that though the Supreme Court has this very, very significant role in the modern state of Israel, for quite some time, many of the left and center of the country have kind of dismissed it and simply said, well, you know, sometimes people in Tel Aviv, you know, who are Supreme Court judges have these views. But when you see a pattern, it's really hard to unsee it. 
And there have been lots of people, and not just politicians, lots of people around where I live, around probably where you guys live, right, who said this pattern uh, is deeply worrying because actually it's taking us in a very alien direction uh, in terms of Jewish values of the modern state of Israel. And so there has been real grumblings about the soul of Israel for some while. There have been attempts to try and redress that in various ways, some successful, some not. We know about Naftali Bennett, etc. like that. And what this current government, where you have the most hawkish of uh, ministers who only dreamed of being able to get into government, and now they're in government and only dreamed of having a majority, now they have a majority saying, this is it. And let's not forget, in the previous government, there were also a variety of reforms related, as we know, to, to Kashrut and things like that that were also rushed through, which were much more centrist. Happens to be, those are the ones I broadly supported. But let's not kid ourselves. As you say, politics is, I wouldn't say a game because I don't take it lightly, but politics does involve politicking. And people use opportunities as quickly as they can to get what they want. That happened in the previous government and the one before that and the one before that. Right now, this is what's happening. Now, just one second. The, the fact that the, that the population are going out in Afghanot is a good thing. The fact that the president has responded with some suggestions is a good thing. The fact that the ministers can ignore the president is a relatively bad thing. The fact that no matter that there is strong will against things being passed in the Knesset certainly uh, should concern citizens who care about the rule of law, right? But what, what I don't want it to be perceived as is, as if somehow this government is the first who ever kind of figured out how to utilize opportunities for personal gain or, or uh, point laws towards a certain direction or agenda because that's what they're thinking. This has been, this happens everywhere. This has been happening for a long time. The tipping point, which has led people to say, that's it. Now I'm furious, is as Mali said, once you get to a point where just a select few members, basically of the whole country, are able to overrule the thing which is ultimately our constitution, that's like a whole different game. And I agree, and I think you're right, Ruby. What's going to happen is the numbers will change. The principles will stay relatively the same uh, and see how things progress. And, and it's and it's going to be a process that we're going to see unfold in the coming weeks. OK, sure. so I, I actually interesting. I had a <laughs> I had a really interesting Uber ride in London. Uh, I was on the way back to the airport and I was moving with my Uber driver. Uber's a good thing. They should have it here. I'm just I, I don't know if you guys uh, if you've realized that. Anyway, talk to the Minister of Transportation. And it's not the same. Uber's a good thing. So he, he was from Afghanistan. And I was talking to him. He moved to Afghanistan before the Civil War. And we were talking about it. He said, when the religious became in power, that's when everything started to go to pot. Because they see things. And, and if, you, if I was a secular person, and you look around the world, and you look at countries that are run by religious people and religious fundamentalists and are guided by their values, I think maybe I would be a little bit afraid. Because if the first thing that's most important to you is, you know, proposing a law, and this was so stupid that they did this, proposing a law to throw somebody in jail for half a year for not dressing modestly at the hotel, like, you're just, you're just explaining to them what they're afraid of is going to happen if there was no check on their power 
when they were an absolute majority, which they will continue to be. That's, a, that's number one. So I, I really sort of get it. It's not, that, it's not that the power is the problem. It's what are they going to do once they have the power and who would hold them back from doing it? Uh, you know, if, if, you know, who would be the sensible person? Right now, you know who the, who the adult in the playground is? Everybody looks to, you know, who's, who's the adult? It's the prime minister, who they hate, which is unbelievably ironic. But okay, we'll leave it at it as it were. To me, I think the number is going to change. I think, I think actually of all these proposals, none of them are important other than the Vaad the Minui Shaftin, the committee to appoint the judges. Why? Because if you know anything like, uh, there's a very famous Gemara I like, to, I like to quote, a very famous Gemara that says that a good posek Johnny can find 99 reasons to make something Tameh and 99 reasons to make something Tahor. Right? That, that's the idea. That's what a good posek can do. You could, you could really halachically do pretty much anything you want. And I think the same thing is true of a Supreme Court justice. You take away their Ilatz Virut, they'll find another reason based on some other basic law of equality to do what they want. Because people are... Whatever. Equality. A good judge, and I, I admit, these are, I, I'm sure these are all good judges. I'm sure they're all brilliant people. You know, in the end, you see the world through your worldview. You see it through your agenda. They're not driven to try to get the datim. They believe in a strong liberal democracy. That's their belief. The problem is there's no balance. They continue to, uh, to, to, uh, to appoint themselves. So in the end, I can, yes, I believe that it should be political appointees, that there should be a political appointees appointing Supreme Court justices. And as governments come and governments go, like happens in America, it takes time. But oh, in the end, you know, the balance will reflect the will of the people over a long, long, long period of time. I personally have no problem with that. All the other stuff, like Piscati Gabrut and overcoming this law and overcoming that law, no matter what you do, the Supreme Court will find a way to overturn it. Why? Because they're smart people, and maybe I want that. But I want there to be a balance of values in the Supreme Court. It shouldn't just be, like you said, the perception that, that it reflects a, a small elite, a group of elite people and doesn't reflect the values of the Jewish values and the, I would say, the more, I would, more centrist or right-wing values of a huge swath of, of the Israeli community. And, and so to me, that's the most important thing, and I fear mm. that that's the thing that they're going to give up on rather than the other things which are just going to, you know, which are going to ramrod through or they change the numbers. I fear that they're going to give up on this, which I believe is the most important thing. Yeah, Johnny. Uh, two, two quick things. Firstly, what we're not fully exploring here and we've discussed previously is, uh, I mean, my general view is to use, and, and here I'm just kind of channeling Rabbi Sachs, to use power to push religion is never a good thing. I quoted of Chaim Levi from the pulpit in my shul a few weeks ago who emphasized the importance of chinuch and ashbah, right, of education and influence versus power. And that's something which this government doesn't get. Meaning, no matter what they're trying to achieve, I don't think that many more people are going to keep Shabbat because of it. Uh, in fact, I'm quite concerned about uh, how it's going to alienate a whole bunch of people. That's that's for. Yeah, but do you doubt that, given the power, they would use it to try to enforce, to try to meeting? No, I don't doubt. That's that's a. I a, where, you know where I strongly disagree with members of our current coalition uh, isn't necessarily on certain ideology about about the modern state of Israel. It's about their way in which they wish to weaponize religion to try and get what they want. At sometimes, well, often at the cost of of uh, minority populations and that's you know i think we all know that so that so uh, then you should want some, a pretty strong supreme court holding them back because uh, nothing correct, else will because nothing else would 
that's why I do want a, a strong Supreme Court. That doesn't mean, though, that the current Supreme Court uh, have been uh, operating uh, as objectively as they should have done in recent years. And that's why, as, as Boogie Herzog said, there is work that needs to be done and anybody who pretends otherwise is naive. I do want to say something slightly different yeah. uh, just about discourse because really when we said we should talk together, we said we're not going to be able to go through all these details and none of us are, are judges either uh, and let's not pretend that we know all the ins and outs of the application of law. But we are able to measure the temperature of what's happening here in Israel and in our local uh, kind of uh, different yeshuvim. But one thing I noticed over Shabbat, um, over the, you know, pr prior to the election, uh, Makori Shon, which we often reference, you know, a, a, a right-wing uh, religious Zionist newspaper, was very keen uh, to promote uh, the religious voices that were likely to come into government. That doesn't mean all people were be given the same profile, but there were significant profiles given to some people because of the hope that certain interests, and we use that word in lots of different ways, certain interests would be uh, procured for religious Zionist uh, communities. Whether I like that politics or not, that's a different matter. Fundamentally, that's what's happened. What I did note in the most recent uh, newspaper, I was away for a few weeks, um, a few weeks back, is that uh, <laughs> you do your back reading. You're going back. Yeah, I, I've got a pile. Right, <laughs> but the pendulum, the pendulum uh, flipped, and all of a sudden they were spending a lot more time reviewing the Gavison Medan uh, Covenant, which historically is very interesting, but like it's history in principle. But there was a sense of one second, uh, how things are isn't isn't exactly what we thought things should be. Even they were kind of surprised about uh, the sharpness and absoluteness and the lack of nuance that the current government is demonstrating. And I sensed, maybe I'm wrong, but in the tone of some of the articles uh, and some of the news pieces, a sense that, well, how things are isn't exactly what we wanted. We wanted some of our people in the government. We didn't want the government to just be our I say our people, that means we flip them, because let's be clear, uh, much of the government isn't, uh, isn't you know, re representative of religious Zionist voices. But there, there was a certain openness that that newspaper still uh, somewhat subscribes to that is clearly absent in some of the uh, policies being promoted. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to the and polarization, the polarization of religious life, the marginalization of moderate voices. You know, the absolute decimation at the hands of Naftali Bandit of moderate, of moderate religious Zionism. You know, all those things come into play. And, and you know, our voices are not, are not there. And I think it actually goes back to what I said about social media and the, the, the extremist atmosphere that plays in the world in which we live, which is just being played out in this and basically any other discussion. You know, it's just a, it's a, it's a problem. It's a real problem. Molly, what do you want yeah, to say? Okay. All right. So first of all... Um, as opposed to you, Ruby, who thinks, okay, if we just affect the the hair cave of the court, things will be all okay. I'm not so sure that that will solve all the problems. And I'm not sure what the solution is. What I would like to see is um, both sides being willing to, as Johnny said, listen to the other side. Ruff Cook said something very important about polarization and how you o overcome polarization. And he said... Not only is it important to try to find the positive in the other person's perspective, it's important to understand the positive in their critique of you, right? They probably, if they're mad at you or they think you have something off, they probably have a good point. And it's important to listen to them. So I would, I, I, and I agree also, Johnny had said earlier that he thinks that uh, the intervention of President Herzog was very important because it 
it, it, it shifted the tone a little bit. And I really hope that that's true because I, I think that you're right that from the top to the bottom, as you said, Ruby, the extremist digging in is so not healthy. And, and Johnny, you said, okay, like what, well, that's what they're going to do. You know, government's going to govern, you know, and that's what they're going to do. And I'm like, really? Like we can't expect better from a, why can't we have a government that's also willing to listen do you know what I'm saying? And yeah, but Molly, to, and what I'm telling you is they can't. Place. Well, they can't because if they did, they would be voted out of office. Do you I, understand okay, that? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We I just described. We just said anyone who 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 posited a moderate if, position in our community didn't make it into the Knesset. Look who represents our community now. Is that These are true? people that I think it's a little more complex I, than that. I don't. Okay, I honestly, I'm just saying. I think we're. If that's the case, I, I, we're this getting frightens the me quite a bit. Deserve, I have to say, and then it that's a real me. shame. I, okay, I still, I'm still going to hold out optimism, optimism, and hope that maybe we can have a better government, right? Maybe you know, civil servants, and maybe we could also have better uh, lawyers and legal voices who also, because they're also not particularly open to hearing the other side. They're really not, and it's not impressive. You're, you're supposed to be a judge. Your job is supposed to be able to hear two sides of an argument. I have not heard anybody from the quote-unquote judicial side um, acknowledging that there's validity to the need for reform. So I, I would like to see both sides climbing down off their trees and learning to communicate. You can call it a pipe dream, but that's like, I don't think we should give up on that. And as as a, as a, maybe we should do it from the bottom up. And as a community, stop letting the, you know, whatever it is, a wag the dog. Right. We should be the tail. We should be the dog and they should be the tail. And maybe we should stand up and say, like, cut it out, both of you and and be nuanced and be sophisticated and be thoughtful and hammer out some type of compromise and listen to each other. Both sides have a legitimate position. Well, that's why we're saying that on this well listened to very exactly. Exactly. The other final point I want to say is. You, you kept framing it in the beginning, Ruby, as well, of course, we are like, uh, you know, we want judicial reform because we're religious. It's not because I'm religious that I no, believe I, I that there should be judicial reform. It's, it's not. It's because I believe, first of all, I really do think that in terms of balance of powers, I think the, the Knesset, right, the elected government represents the will of the people because that's where they're voted, right? They're voted in by the people. And the Supreme, the, the courts represent, I don't know what you want to call it, um, some other type of governing body whose job it is to make sure that if the will of the people goes a little wonky based on whatever the principles are, whether they're okay is so or whether they really is some kind of abstract, their job is to make sure that we stay in our you, lane. You just, you just succinctly stated the problem, whatever the principles are. Well, we that's don't know what the, the problem, are. right? And that's why I think that problem needs to be solved, right? Because I think that, that the question of what are you judging by? And Hakol Shafit is not acceptable. I am sorry. That is not acceptable, Aaron Barak. Right? That was his famous line. Hakol Shafit. I get to decide based on my svirut. And, and if you don't like it, too bad. And it really paralyzed the government. It yeah. really paralyzed the government. Like, if you th- like again, another example Rav Tamir gave, which was a, probably the, le- the most innocuous one, is if we have a problem with um, um, Mistananim. How would you say Mistananim in the most... Oh, um... uh, um, not provocative translation. Asylum seekers. Ill- some of illegal immigrants, we'll call them. Ill- right. Uh, undocumented immigrants. That's Correct. the undocumented, 
There's another, we don't call them immigrant, undocumented immigrants, whatever it is. Migrants. Okay? Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever you want to call it. Th- there is a problem. Every solution that was put up, but this is the time of, um, I think it was, I think uh, Aliela Chake, every solution she proposed was knocked down by the Supreme Court. How in the world is the government supposed to solve a problem if they can't move? Because every single um, you know, law, the, the Supreme Court's like, nope, that's not good because it's against the Zuhiyot Hadam. Maybe they felt it was against Zuhiyot Hadam. But that's what I'm saying. There has to be some type. It can't be that every time the, 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 there's no way for the government to pass a law because if the Supreme Court doesn't like the, 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 the like, you know, ideological, there is a reasonable argument to be had about, about immigration. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you can make, you can, you can have the position that every single person seeking asylum should be able to come in and that should be at the, you know, it doesn't matter about the welfare of the, and who's taxpayer. And it doesn't matter what happens to the communities that they come into. You could have that position, but there is another side. There is another side and both sides should be heard. And there needs to be a way for those two sides to dialogue. So that's exactly my point. You know how you have both sides heard if you have a balanced Supreme Court. Because the okay, so the one way is to have a balanced Supreme Court. Another way is to have a balanced power. That's my whole point. Just have it a balanced. But you're you're just saying you're gonna you're gonna say fine. Let the Supreme Court be the ones who are finally the ones who have the last word on on what uh, on what the government's allowed to decide. Meaning, a real good Supreme Court is one that says, "I don't like your law, but it's legal." And I'll say it again. It's something that that's again like let's say with the um, Hitnakut, right? And again, the Supreme Court. I think in that the Supreme Court decided that they couldn't. They didn't have a right to interfere. Of course, right? they didn't have a right to interfere. Yeah, there's a shock. Exactly. Okay, exactly. So what I'm saying is, I, the problem Supreme, is Molly. The problem a is, real it's not good the tr- Supreme no Court, trust. in my opinion, the trust, because I'm no a trust that it's a legal ba- board. Okay, the, that's the, another the good point that I, that I want to get to. But a really good Supreme Court justice is one who says, "I don't like this law for X, Y, and Z reasons, but it's legal." Right. Meaning I don't like the hit not code. I think in my personal opinion, it's dangerous. But is the is the government allowed to make this law? There's no reason why the government's not allowed to make this law. Right. That's the again, it's like when when and I don't want the people are going to like, you know, throw tomatoes at me. But I watch the uh, Amy Coney Barrett um, uh, Amy Coney hearings Barrett. very closely and they, you know, pummeled her, obviously, because they were worried about abortion. And they were like, apparently correct. If so. there's something that goes against your principles, um, what do you think? She's like, my principles mean nothing because this, I, this is not the court of Amy. This is the court of the Supreme See, Court that, and I have to go that's by exactly, president that's and by the Constitution. Lie. That's a lie. That's incorrect. But because it should every, be a lie. Because, because every it judge... It not... It's not true because every judge... It should not legitimately, be a lie. I'm sorry, but it's not true. She lied. Every judge... I don't think she lied. ...sees the law I don't think she lied. That's own. a whole different conversation. That's a whole... But I don't... I, no, I, but I, Molly, I that's exactly the point. That's exactly but the point. But a good, strict constitutionalist, right, is willing to say that. A good, strict constitutionalist is willing to say, I'm going to follow precedent and constitutional law uh, and try and, and their best to And what did Amy Coney Barrett then do literally the next year? Okay, <laughs> I, I hear you. But you could also make an argument that it wasn't because of ideology. She just thought that ogre fellow you pronounce it was actually a badly um, argued case. So we don't talk or about Or she happens also to be a fundamentalist Correct. Christian. Correct. Oh, all right, we're really running why, out of time. I mean, yes, we are. But my this point is, is that, that it's not like, just because totally. I'm religious. It's because I think that this question, again, the Knesset represents the people, the court represents whatever you want to fill in the blank. I don't know. There has to be a healthy balance between those things. We don't want either one to have too much power. Um, and the, the, I'll say one last thing and then and then I'll end which is my worry about where the country is going. You keep calling it social media. I think there is a pandemic of what, what I'll call emotional reasoning. 
which is what you're basically saying about Amy Coney Barrett, which is how do you define emotional reasoning? Emotional reasoning is the condition of being so strongly influenced by your emotions that you assume that they indicate objective truth, right? And I think we are all being hijacked in, in today's reality by our own emotional reasoning. You understand what I'm saying? Not exactly. Like, what, we have what, to come back to this next time. It sounds like a deep fine. concept. The, that po- the point is, if I'm feeling like, like if, if it's so clear to me that the only reason why the, why the government wants judicial reform is because Bibi wants to hold on to power and Derry wants to be a, a minister, that's the only reason the government is doing it and the whole government is puzzled and there's no room for judicial reform and the whole thing is nonsense, that's emotional reasoning, right? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? And the opposite too. You leftists, you just want to control the country, and you're just you 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 tiny proportion of elitists. You're fourteen percent of the country, but for for you know since the since since 1948, the Mapai has had has had control. You white Ashkenazim, and you just want to keep imposing your will on the people, and that's the only reason you oppose this reform. And you're a bunch of you know um, elitist megalomaniacs. There's our um, clip to lead that's off. That's <laughs> also emotional reasoning, right? And we have to get out of emotional reasoning and we have to learn how to have reasoned dialogue with each other and understand that these are real important issues that if we would all calm down, listen to each other, maybe we could really find good solutions. Totally agree with you. Very scared because I don't know if we live in a climate that allows for that. Uh, I want to end off with that. We'll do a speed round because uh, there's, there's, there's an issue we didn't talk about. We could talk about it at length, but we're not going to. What I want to ask you is this, Molly, do you think that Jews around the world who don't who disagree with this government should protest the government, the government's actions in Chutzlaris or not? And really speed round. Yes, no. And give a sentence. I think they have the right because of it. It's same as I said before about the about the, about the, um, the government changing. If we're going to want their support for things that are that we agree with, we have to also give them the right to have their voice about positions that we don't agree with. Johnny. Or the other way, or no. Either all yes or all no. I didn't understand that last thing. Meaning either you say they never have a voice, or you say they, they're allowed to have a voice. Fair enough. Johnny. I think uh, both citizens inside of Israel and outside of Israel have to accept that a democratic country voted, although we have a lousy system of proportional representation, for a current government which legally has right to sit. And at the same time, it has every reason to query whether it's abusing its powers as a government to do harm to the fabric of the modern state of Israel. So yes or no? <laughs> I, I should think Jews should in be London be able to protest Israel's policies in London? Should, that, should they be they they able the right, to? Is it appropriate? It's not appropriate to protest the existence of a government. It is appropriate to query the way the government is operating. Okay, so my perspective is, uh, a quick hit, I'm actually all in favor of it for a very simple reason. The thing we are, we are fighting the most today is indifference. Is this, is a, there's a pandemic of, of just no, no connection to Israel at all. So I think if a, if a Jew, wherever they are in the world, is so motivated by Israel's policies to go out and protest Israel, that's a Jew that I want committed to the state of Israel and its future. That's my perspective. Interesting. Everyone, I'm like, I like that quick hit. Thank you very much. I want to thank Molly and Johnny for our RZ Weekly, for our weekly podcast. I want to thank our listeners. If you have comments or questions, please send us an email or a lot of you reach us on Facebook Messenger. You know how to find us. I want to thank my son for our music and everyone should have a great week. Bye now. <laughs>